Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Itamar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Emil, today. And today we'll be doing one of Emil's case studies about Daniel and how he basically overcame a bunch of obstacles. So Emil, you want to take us through this? Yeah, for sure. So with Daniel, I'm going to talk you through his story and then try to pull a lesson from it. And as Itamar said, the lesson today is about overcoming obstacles and how you perceive them because that's going to be a fundamental part of it now there are lots of lessons from this guy he's a total champion he's uh had an incredible transformation and he's still going so itamar had to talk me down from trying to cover 17 different topics all in one and i'm going to lean heavily on him to keep me on track and not to go off on tangents. So in that regard, I'm going to talk about Daniel, about the obstacles that he came up against, how he looked at them, how he overcame them before we started working together during the journey. And then more recently in kind of real life, as it were, especially with COVID and lockdown, very, very relevant and apparently still ongoing. So can I ask you a question here, though? I think it's important to ask. Why is this worthwhile talking about? Why is saying these challenges, these abs- these obstacles, this is the one thing that people should understand and why it's so important for us to talk about this today? Fundamentally, there are two ways to look at an obstacle. One is as an excuse and a reason not to do something. And the other is as a challenge to overcome and a mere speed bump to reaching your goal. And the way that you approach obstacles will basically change the trajectory of your life. And the nature of, I suppose, mindset, and you'll know better than me, is that you can have a certain mindset in a certain domain, and it doesn't necessarily cross domains into other areas. For example, entrepreneurs, highly successful people might be totally crushing this particular thing in their business. You know, they might come up against obstacles and and charge through them, no problem. But when it comes to another area, maybe health, whatever else, they look at them in a totally different way and they become insurmountable, insurmountable. So even if you think, ah, I'm very, you know, I'm in a good place with this kind of thing. I know this, I've done this already it might not be true in health. And all you do is, all you have to ask is, are you crushing it with your health? Is it going the direction it should be going? Are you on the right trajectory? And if you're not, then that is a flag, a warning that perhaps you're looking at things the wrong way. Nice. So basically today we're going to be learning about the main obstacles you can expect to face when really trying to build an elite foundation of health and how entrepreneurs can go about them and really achieve great results. Yeah, exactly. And I'm mm-hmm. going to split Sounds it. Sounds good. In, uh, yeah. 
I'm going to try and split it into three. I'm going to try and split it into the ones he faced on on starting the journey, which are often, maybe, maybe not, often the biggest. And then the ones during the journey, which are inevitable. And then, as I said, the ones almost after the journey, though the journey doesn't really ever end. Yep. Awesome. So, Daniel... I met Daniel back in, I think, middle of 2018. He approached me at an event and said, you're that health guy. You worked with some of my friends. I love the results. Let's do this. And I was like, awesome, fine, cool. And then as I got to know him, I discovered some of the things that had blocked him from succeeding in the past. He was in his early 30s and overweight, you know, actually quite seriously overweight. He wasn't tall. Um, And this wasn't through lack of trying. He was super successful in business. So he knew the core tenets of success. And for whatever reason, health wasn't working. I mean, what do you mean by overweight? Like he didn't have a shredded six pack. He had a bit of tires. Like how how is this person looking? Give us a bit of an, an understanding of who this guy is. Is he having trouble getting up the stairs? Is he just doesn't look good in a tight t-shirt? You know what I mean? Who is this guy? I mean, for reference, he was he was over 90 kilos when he approached me. And that's difficult to kind of gauge without um without kind of seeing him. But you know, 90 kilos in pounds is nearly it's 200 pounds. And How tall is for it? reference, he's now uh well, I'll just tell you, he's now 135. Oh, wow. Pounds-ish, okay. yeah. So that's what we're talking. We're talking 60 pounds overweight. Wow, okay. Um, so yeah, pre- pretty significant. He's not a tall guy. You know, he's not a yeah, short 60 guy either. 60 pounds, uh, even if you're tall, that's a lot overweight. Exactly. So, so yeah. and, and you know, don't get me wrong, he's in great shape now. But it was definitely a case of there was definitely some stuff to lose. And look, he was he was in his early 30s. He was crushing it at business. He wanted to start a family and he wanted to set an awesome example for his kid. And he didn't want to be the guy who couldn't, you know, play, who couldn't, uh, you know, chase them around the park. And the big thing here is it's not even about where he was at that point at 30 because he was still functional. He could still move around. He could probably still do a bit of a dash. But it was more about the trajectory because his trajectory wasn't good. He was 90 kilos now in five years, it could have been 100 kilos. In 10 years, it could have been 110, 120 kilos. And now we're getting to a critical stage. And not only is it just more body weight, but it's another five or 10 years of negative habits accumulating, which then become more difficult to shift. You're just more ingrained in a a way of doing things. You're building a negative identity. And yeah, that's a, the big thing to me, like when I hear this, it seems like beyond the negative behavioral patterns, there's going to be just a negative sense of self-identity. That's going to like for now, he's like, OK, I'm a bit I'm kind of overweight, but I'm still a successful person so I can address this. And like 10 years the road down the road, if somebody doesn't address this, their self-image would be like, I'm kind of a failure at this. Maybe this just isn't yeah. for me. And that's a dangerous thing. So Particularly- what were the main obstacles he was facing before it? Well, you know, this segues beautifully into this. So he'd tried to lose, you know, body fat in the past and to transform his life. And he'd done keto, the ketogenic diet, where if you're not familiar with it, you essentially cut out carbs until your body starts producing ketones for energy. And this causes fat loss. 
it does cause fat loss if you're in a calorie deficit, if you're burning more than you use. However, it's also very, very restrictive, which means it's not sustainable, which means people generally don't succeed long term with it. Which And then, then on top of that, people also rebound. So you get this cycle of, and I'm going to class it as a fad diet, this cycle of using something overly restrictive, succeeding as long as you have willpower, which inevitably gives out, failing, rebounding to further back than you were before, and then resetting, doing that again and doing that multiple times. And it's not just that you're failing each time, because that would be fine, you fail. Failure is a lesson. Awesome. It's that you're building this identity of failure. You can imagine once you've failed at something 10 times, you start to be the person who fails when they try to do something 20 times. You're just that guy who can't do it. You're the fat guy. You're the guy who, whatever they try, you know, you think you've tried everything, it doesn't work for you. And that is literally deadly. You know, when you when you take on this mantle of I'm not that guy who could even do this. So identity shift is a core part of this process and negative identity shift is is horrific. And people have this misconception that as we get older, things get more difficult. And it's true to a degree, to a degree. However, the bigger issue is not that we're older and things are more difficult. It's that we're older, we've had more time of accumulating bad habits. I heard someone who at 30, they were like, I'm old now, I should have pain in my joints, I don't need to be running after people. And I'm just like, well, you're telling yourself that, that's awful, because it's going to become true. And then at 40, it's going to become even worse. And at 50, it's going to become even worse. And to be honest, personally, for me, and I'm sure Ita Mars the same, I plan to improve from 30 to 40, and 40 to 50, because I've had more time accumulating good habits and on a positive trajectory so yeah it's it's interesting when you were saying that i was just thinking to myself when you get older you should be able to create better habits more easily because you're a more evolved human being you're more aware of yourself you're more aware of what works what doesn't work seeking out truth so it's interesting you say that but yeah i hear you yeah i mean people um sure you can't be a world champion 100 meter sprinter when you're 50 but we're talking you know, top end physiological limitations. What you're saying potentially is that I can't be healthy when I'm 50. I can't have a six pack when I'm 50. I can't be pain free when I'm 50 or 40 or 30 or 60, whatever. And that's hugely limiting. And that's an excuse. That's actually protecting the ego, protecting you from having to try and fail and potentially not be very good at something. So just be really, really careful when you when your ego pops up and starts saying, I'm a certain age and I shouldn't or couldn't or can't do something. I think if I could like kind of reframe what you're saying, I think it makes sense that basically what you're saying is, yes, when you're 40 or 50, you can't win at a zero-sum game, like being the best sprinter on the planet when there's only one. Yeah. However, to be in still phenomenal shape and feel healthy and energetic, that's absolutely possible to separate yourself. Yeah. You can possibly win a zero sum games, but you can still have an amazing life. Is that basically what you're saying? A hundred percent. I knew there was a reason we got you on this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah. And and there's almost no reason that you can't continue to improve. Like, 
from 20 to 30 be better, like stronger, leaner, whatever, and then 30 to 40 be better, and 40 to 50 be better. Like we're not talking about, as you say, zero-sum games and becoming the top 0.0001% in the world. We're talking about improving in health, strength, muscle mass, all of these things, even though physiology is potentially maybe going against us. I mean, just to add, because we're on tangents, my belief is that when people talk about testosterone dropping as we get older, I think that is less a chronological thing that happens automatically and more a lifestyle thing that happens as we accumulate bad habits. We're like, oh yeah, I'm 40. My testosterone is much lower than when I was 20. So yeah, when you were 20, you were running around lifting weights, you know, in the sun, in the days, you weren't stressed, you were sleeping well. Of course your testosterone was higher. And now after yeah. 20 years of shitty habits, high stress, not exercising, eating crap food, of course your testosterone is lower. And all these programs out there which try to boost your testosterone, they're not boosting it. They're just removing the bullshit suppression to bring it back to your normal. So you're not boosting anything. You're just removing the crap lifestyle, which is suppressing it. So that's my, cool. that's my so, tangent. I'll put this. this is super interesting, but just with Daniel's case... Let me ask this. What so, were the, the key obstacles that were keeping him from getting started? So, for Daniel, he was starting to accumulate this identity of failure. He'd tried a few overly restrictive diets in the past. And he'd failed, inevitably. And actually, he approached me and said, I want to lose body fat. I want to lose X pounds or kilos or whatever. And I want to do it with keto. And I was like, well, look, you know keto works you drop some weight with it, but you, you bounce back. Now, in my humble opinion, it's not the best way to go about it. So let's try my way. By the way, you get to eat ice cream. And if it doesn't work, I'm happy to coach you through keto. Like, it, it is what it is. Keto works. It's not magic, but it is what it is. And so I you're knew saying that. you did the responsible thing as a coach, and instead of saying, yes, I'll help you, you're like, no, let me actually do this the right way, even if there's going to be some friction. So you're saying you did the responsible thing like that. Most <laughs> coaches don't do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I did the right thing. I, I did yep. a bait and switch. I was like, here's some ice cream. <laughs> um, okay, and how did that go? So he, he, he went for it. He was like, okay, cool. Look, if, you can, if I can lose weight, I don't care how I do it. And if I can eat ice cream, that's a bonus. Awesome, sweet. So that was one of the big obstacles. Now, the other big obstacle, this guy actually broke his back um, cliff jumping. So as well as, you know, accumulating bad habits and having this or starting to build this identity of failure, he also was immobile for a long period of time. And this is why I'm so against getting injured when training, because not being able to move, not being able to exercise and almost relying on food for comfort or whatever else from managing stress, it's just such a compound clusterfuck basically of weight gain and negative trajectory so you can't move you can't exercise you get unhealthy you get depressed you eat more food and because you're eating more food you're gaining more weight you get more depressed you feel like shit you eat more food and it just keeps going round. and even when you get better again you're in this negative spiral and it's really hard to get out so any anything like this any injury any Anything, so you're not going to join me obstacle. in BJJ ever, Emil. That's what you're telling me. There's no hopes of I, getting you into a class. <laughs> I, I don't want to beat you, man. You know, just be embarrassing. <laughs> some like some, some newbie. 
I appreciate you looking out for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we so should roll a, at some point. I'm in for we that. We should. I'm in for that. So with this broken back and all that, how did you guys actually get started? How was he able to start moving past those multiple failures, the bouncing back, and also probably this habitual thing where he doesn't believe he's someone who moves because what his, his past couple of years have been. So he was he was motivated. He was pumped. He was successful. He had a framework for success from business. He was crushing it. And then using my proprietary methods, we applied that to health and got him moving forward. Now, entrepreneurs are very much all or nothing, zero or 100. There's no in between. And the way I do it, it tips it on its head. And it says, look, you've come from zero. We're not going to go to 100. Let's try 10. Let's try 20. And let's chill there for a little bit. Because according to the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, if you apply the correct 20% of pressure, you can achieve 80% of the results. And actually, most people aren't anywhere near 80% results. So let's establish this 20% first before we start looking at optimization. And let's ingrain this 20% and make it a fundamental part of your identity. And I call that the physiological blueprint. And that is the physiological blueprint, the absolute basics required to start you progressing towards your goal and eventually to keep you there. And without going too deep into the science and formulas, it's basically the, the core energy balance required for you to start moving in the right direction. So in, in uh, Daniel's case, it was a case of starting to look at what he was eating and control the calories and then fixing the amount of energy he was burning each week. And given his previous history, given his background and everything else to start with, that was walking and swimming. Nice. That was one or twice a week, once or twice a week swimming, starting short because he hadn't swum for a long time and steps. And that was it. We just balanced that. It was like, right, go. So by lowering the barrier for entry, we made the first stage super, super easy. It's like, I can do this. And a kind of thing that I say to people is, look, imagine your most busy, stressful, crazy week in your life. I want you to be able to do this even during that week. So you telling me you can train seven days a week now because you've got two weeks off is great, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Imagine your busiest week ever. How much can you train during that week? Two swims, 15 minutes each, amazing. 6,000 steps a day, no, 4,000, okay, cool. Let's do that. And the first week he started progressing, awesome. And just as well, we set that limit there because then he came up against a whole host of other obstacles, which inevitably happen which meant that when they did come up, we could cruise straight through them because we had mm. this physiological baseline ready to go. It's interesting. I was literally the words that were going to come out of my mouth. So you created a baseline where you were able to succeed from even when other things popped up. Yeah. yeah. And this is really interesting because also I'm, I'm starting to understand your whole process. Are you trying to tell these people yeah. we're not playing a zero-sum game? We're trying to just keep getting you better. So within that 80-20 principles work. If you're trying to play a zero-sum game, yeah, we have to go extreme and be crazy. But because we're just trying to keep getting you to improve, we can just do the 80-20, which I really like. So what were those other obstacles that popped up and how do you guys deal with them? So as with everyone in the freaking world, life happens, right? Life always happens. People have this notion that when X is finished, when they sell their business, when whatever, 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 everything will be fine. That is never the case. 
So you have to expect life to happen. And for Daniel, there were multiple things which happened. Any one of these would be considered a critical event for someone else on a health journey. So there were multiple long haul trips. I'm talking opposite ends of the world. I'm talking multiple weeks. I'm talking conferences. I'm talking, you know, all you can eat and drink, entrepreneur events, you know, that you know the type. Vacations, similar kind of deal. And, you know, bearing in mind when you've got a successful business and, and you know, lots of money, then, you know, you can eat as much as you want. You can do whatever you want. And it's very easy after a stressful period to, to go all out. So these were things that came up. He moved house. No big deal. In a foreign country where you can't even understand the words because the, the type is different. He moved house. He had a baby during that time. Um, so all the stress associated with having a baby in aforementioned foreign country and then all the stresses that come with normally running a business e-commerce so having accounts shut down and everything else that comes with just yeah running a business so any single one of these events you know people say i'm, I'm not going to start now because i'm moving house you know sure oh, i'm having a baby i'm not going to sleep much i'm, I'm, I'm not going to start now sure daniel did it all because of because of the process because of the way we applied this and so the first step of the method is applying this or uh, identifying this, this physiological blueprint. The second step is this optional optimization. And I envisage this as a slider. And when the slider is fully to the left or off, we're just at the blueprint, the physiological blueprint, call it base camp. Then as time frees up, as you get better, as you start to build habits, you can pull the slider to the right, amp up the optimization. You can maybe start looking at protein intake. You can maybe start looking at meal timing. But truly, the areas that I like to optimize for are not being hungry, having lots of energy for life, business, training, whatever, and for enjoying life. These are my three optimizations. So we slide the optimization slider up when there's time. And then when shit hits the fan, when life happens, we go straight back down to base camp and leave it there because you're still progressing. And that's fine. So that's how we essentially navigated all of these things. I love it, man. I love the whole process. It's as if I've thought about it. <laughs> it's as if it's as if you're a medical doctor and you've given thought to this stuff. So then, you you might say, well, even a physiological baseline, even the most basic things, might fall apart when you go on vacation or on a business trip. Correct. And this is where the stage three of the method comes in. So you've got the blueprint, you've got optimization, which is optimal. Stage three is resilience. And resilience is this concept of when you approach something that is new, you make a plan and you give it a shot to the best of your ability. And you fully expect the plan to not survive contact with real life. And that's fine. And on, after you've done that, you reflect on the plan, you don't judge yourself, and you iterate for next time. Which means you can go on that first business trip four weeks into the program and be like, look, these are the things we're going to try. You're going to try it, and then we'll reflect on it and say, this went well, this is what we can improve. And the beauty of this is, if you travel every single week for business, you will get good at business travel very freaking quickly by following this process. And if it only happens once a year, then it almost doesn't matter what happens because it's only once a year and we're looking at averages. 
So resilience works. It's anti-fragile. I think it's anti-fragile. You know, the, the, the more you do it, the better you get at it, the quicker. And the less you do it, the less it matters. Mm. I like so, that thing. That makes sense when you think about the 80-20 and again, that whole parallel. Like if you're only doing it once a year, it's not really worthwhile all the efforts for the 80-20. That makes sense. So as it turns out, Daniel crushed it with with all of these things. We kept iterating and adjusting, but it meant that the baseline was easy enough for him to stick to, even while enjoying himself, drinking alcohol, you know, doing all the things that he wanted to do and have ice cream, which was awesome. Why is so, ice cream so important to you, Emil, in your programs? <laughs> Why do you keep bringing up ice cream? This is like this crucial nectar of the gods that has to be in any health program, I have to ask. Ice cream is 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 almost like it's becoming almost like an in-joke, like a trademark, like a, a thing. I'm a huge fan of ice cream. It's like my favorite thing ever. So whenever I want to suggest to people that they don't have to be super strict and boring, the first thing that comes to mind is ice cream, which then means it kind of self-propagates. And from a purely practical point of view, ice cream actually gives you more bang for your buck than other equivalent treats for some bizarre reason, whether it's because it's frozen or there's ice and water involved, I don't know. But if you look at a, I don't, do you have Mars bars like worldwide, like chocolate bars, and then you get the ice cream equivalent, it's like half the calories. Mm. So anyway, it just becomes a thing that for whatever reason, a lot of people find it very, very useful and love ice cream. So it, yeah. Fair enough. So, that was th those were the obstacles that he came up against and essentially over nine months he lost the 60 pounds nice totally totally crushed it and you might think huh that's the end of the story however no the the, the goal of this isn't losing weight i bet every single person who's ever thought about their health has managed to lose weight in the past that's not hard. You just stop eating for a couple of days or you cut out all fun food. Inevitably, your weight drops. The magic is keeping the weight off. The magic is being healthy while enjoying life. That's the magic. That's what we're trying to achieve. So that's where the next step comes in, which is going from a weight loss, fat loss phase to maintenance or life or being normal as I like to call it. And that's a different psychology because up until now, you've been, I'm dropping a pound a week, two pounds a week, whatever. I'm super motivated by this. I'm seeing changes every week. And, you know, that justifies a little bit of kind of, you know, thinking about it, you know, tracking my food, whatever. And then all of a sudden you get to your goal and you're like, oh, I have no kind of motivation to do this. I've hit my goal. There's no longer any pain. I've kind of done what I've set out to achieve. And any entrepreneur who's ever hit a goal will know the feeling. You're like, huh, I've done it. Now what? And you just lose all of this focus and motivation overnight. So actually, I call it coming in for a soft landing. Actually, the landing is super important. And people think I'm mad because I start talking about the landing from like the first coaching call because I know how important it is. I find that the process of dropping body fat, that's straightforward. That's easy. You can succeed at that. The magic is that soft landing. So I'm pre-coaching pre that from the start. So when they get to it, it's like, ah, now I understand why you were bad banging on about this 40 pounds ago. Nice. It's like so astronaut syndrome. What's that? 
astronaut syndrome is that a lot of astronauts have very severe mental health or like even suicidal thoughts when they come back to Earth because they've basically outlived their vision in life. So there's no more motivation because yeah. their whole goal was to get to space. They didn't think yeah. what's next. And they're like, oh, what, what's left? It's just empty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the guys listening to this are successful. They've, they've crushed it at things and they'll know the feeling. Yeah. So it's, it's a balance. And, you know, technically there are ways to kind of change the goals, keep motivated. But ultimately, you need to fall in love with the process rather than the outcome. And again, this is something that's coached throughout. And in relation to Daniel's story, we brought him back up to maintenance. And actually, we flipped his goal. He wanted to start gaining muscle. And as you might recall, he'd broken his back. He hadn't, he hadn't actually trained in the gym for the whole initial process. He just swam and walked and made progress on them for sure. But that was it. And then he got to the end of this and he was like, right, I want to, um, I want to start lifting in the gym. Awesome. So that's, that was then the next goal. And that came with its own obstacles, uh, being afraid of the gym, uh, feeling out of place, learning it again, a new skill, being shit at it, all this kind of stuff. And then on top of that, throw in COVID and lockdown and not having gyms, having gyms, uh, whatever else. So he, again, overcame these crazy obstacles when motivation was at its lowest. And he's still going two and a half years later. And honestly, you wouldn't recognize him before and after. Even you so we've got the before and then we've got the 60 pounds down, which is the first one. And then we've got the before after after, which is the second one. And, you know, he, he could be on the cover of Men's Health, which is just insane. Like, absolutely crazy. Let and, me ask you this, Emil, if I may, because this is really interesting. So if I'm someone like Daniel, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Tell me, why was Daniel actually able to do this? What do you, like, if you had to ask, if I had to ask you, put you on the spot, why do you think he was able to, what was the one thing that kept him motivated to not just lose the weight, but keep this kind of healthy lifestyle and keep moving forward with it and really create like a, a different foundation for his life and for his kids to be able to see? Why did this happen? So, there are a lot of deep motivations, you know, having the, the, the baby and you know wanting to set an example but you know a lot a lot of people potentially have that i think in particular in, in daniel's case he perceived obstacles as mere challenges to overcome as opposed to excuses not so to a game of fighting basically in a way, yeah, like the challenge was it was a fun challenge to lose the weight. Then it's like, oh, it's a fun yeah. challenge not to bounce back. It's a fun challenge to put on muscle mats. You've yeah. that well, whether he, That's awesome. Wh yeah. whether, he, whether he saw it like that or not, that's a great way to, to view it. It's like something comes up and you can just almost go, huh, that's interesting. How am I going to overcome this? Huh, that's now come up. Universe, you're a funny one. Why you do this to me? <laughs> you know, it's like the gym's closed and then everyone buys all the dumbbells on the internet. And it's like, well, I have two cans of Coke and a bottle of water to train with for the next six months. Challenge accepted, you know? So because he looked at it in that way, nothing was insurmountable. It was just the case of, 
awesome, the rules have changed. Let's do the best we can. And a huge part of that is removing yourself from the all or nothing, zero or a hundred mindset. Because this is hugely why people fail, especially entrepreneurs, because we don't like half measures. And so many people tell me, yeah, but I don't want to do the 80-20. I want to do the 100. It's like, you, you won't do it. You won't do it. You, you don't want to be the best 100-meter uh, sprinter in the world. You just want to be more jacked and more healthy than the vast, vast, vast majority of the people. And for that, you need to apply the 80-20. You don't need to do the 100. And not only that, the 100 will not get you to your goal. You don't care enough about it to do the hundreds. I mean, I think that's such a beautiful thing to say. No, like, uh, sorry, just to expand upon that. The people sometimes say they're about it when they're not. And you have to be honest with yourself. Like, you're not trying to be a professional athlete right now. If you were a professional athlete, we've both competed professionally. It's exhausting. You cannot be an entrepreneur, run a business at the same time. You basically need to nap all day. You're exhausted. Everything's hurting and fatigued. And to have that honest conversation, okay, I just want to be like how you said, much better than the vast population as far as my health, my fitness, my how I feel my body. And like, that's what you actually want. So accept that and go with it. Yeah. And to kind of give a measurement for this, the difference is that Usain Bolt is 11 out of 10, right? And that requires a lot of other domains to be three or four out of 10, right? Now, the 80-20 alternative is that you're eight or nine out of 10 in every domain. So that's what you're sacrificing, you know, sacrificing. You're, you're going down to eight or nine out of 10 across the board, which many people would consider, wow, that guy is literally magical versus putting one, one area, one or two points higher and then sacrificing the others. They're all dropping like hell. And that's the difference. It's much more impressive to be 8 or 9 out of 10 across the board than it is to be 11 out of 10 in one area. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. So, so should, I sum- that, should I summarize kind of how I see this? This whole story? Yeah, give, give, me, give me your takeaways. So here's my takeaways, what I've learned today. Um, first off, you've got to be real with yourself. Ask yourself, am I actually trying to be a professional athlete or am I trying to get the most out of life because of health? And if it's the latter, what you probably need to do is the 80-20. And the 80-20, how you're talking about that baseline is to have a baseline where you're not hungry, you're going to have energy and you're going to be able to enjoy life. And just having simple things that are, one, just how much food you're eating and how much you're moving, how much energy you're expending. If those two can meet in a healthy place, then you're good to go. And then you can crank it up once those become kind of second nature. You can crank it up. And if life becomes kind of crazy, you can go back down to that baseline. And because that baseline is always a good place to be, you don't got to worry about it. So that's part one. Um, Part two is actually not to stress out too much. That was an interesting thing. Because you're saying, listen, if you're a motivated person and you have a structure, if you're flying all the time to conferences, you'll figure out how to get better at it. We'll figure this out because there's a lot there. However, if it's just a one-off, you don't have to plan a month ahead how you're going to deal with this one-off conference because it's irrelevant. It's inconsequential when you look at the whole year and the 80-20 of that year, which I thought that was for me, honestly, like a personally, like a big one. And I actually, yeah, maybe when I go to these conferences, I can enjoy myself a bit more because it is not actually going to make an impact. You know what I mean? Um, And also about just all the obstacles. 
Like we had a, a saying in the in the unit in the special forces. We said like it's a reason, it's not an excuse. That was kind of the mantra. Like, yes, this is a reason why it's difficult and why this is going to be challenging. What we're going to do, but it's not an excuse. And I think that's how Daniel saw things. That it's a reason, but it's not an excuse. Moving a house is a reason you can allow yourself to get out of shape, but it's not a valid excuse. And I think having that kind of how you call it the resiliency is awesome. And finally, just anticipating what's next, the next step. That even after you do lose the weight, you can't just get there and be, oh, well, that's done. Because then you're going to bounce back. You're going to fall back into your old habits. But like how you call it the safe landing and anticipating what's next for you in life so you can make a soft transition and a smooth one. Yeah. Is that about it? That, that yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely spot on. Um, I, I could add on bits, but it's not going to add a huge amount of value. So uh, you nailed it. It's not going to add beyond the 80-20. Is that what you're telling me, Emil? hundred percent. I was going to say that and I thought that might be a bit <laughs> cheesy. So I, I refrained. <laughs> nice, man. Hey, this was like, honestly, I also learned a lot from this. This is really dope. Really enjoying these podcasts, man. Absolute pleasure. And I'm looking forward to our move back to mindset next week where you will be covering. He doesn't know. I'll be covering how to overcome a sense of worth. When people have their issues around sense of worth and how they actually get in their own way and they self-sabotage because they don't believe that they're the kind of person who should be doing this or that and how it forces them to play small. I'll be giving some examples of guys that I've worked with and how they've been able to overcome that. And just the ridiculous results it creates so, so fast. That like bit of identity shift, how it creates all the behavioral shift in the world after they really nail that in. So... It'll be an intense one, but an interesting one. I would expect nothing less. Self-worth <laughs> is a very big and important area. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Sounds good, man. See you next week. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week. Bye.